Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? Welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast with me, Sean Tipping. I'll be your host once again. Today on the show, I've got a guest joining me, Eric Owens. Uh, Eric is out of Tallahassee, Florida. He's a former military member, um, also an automotive technician. Uh, He's worked with Firestone, Toyota, and European Specialty Shop. And we're going to talk about his journey uh, throughout those different shops and where he's headed and some of the automotive training that he's been getting involved with recently. So, great talk with Eric. And uh, with that out of the way, let's jump right in. Morning, Eric. How's it going? Yeah, I'm good, Sean. I'm I'm really good. It's it's nice and uh, I think it's 65 degrees with 100% humidity right now in Florida. Okay, <laughs> a little different up here. It was uh, I think about 10 degrees when I let my dog out this morning. So <laughs> yeah, I kind of envy you guys. I don't think I've ever lived in a place that had all four seasons. It's either San Diego where it's nice and sunny constantly, or Florida, where it's still sunny, but you get little spouts of, as you can kind of see in the back, just real muggy. Sure, sure. Yeah, the the whole shift of seasons, I mean, you get, I think you get tired of each one within it. You know, at the end of August, you're tired of the heat and the humidity around here, ready for fall. And then by the time... February rolls around here, you're tired of sub-zero temperatures, but that's the thing is the transition's nice. It makes you look forward to it, makes you appreciate the summer uh, quite a bit. Um, I mean, everybody up here, as soon as the snow melts, I mean, everybody's outside doing stuff for, you know, the next four to five months. Like, I think it's just for that reason alone, it's like we're all, we're all cooped up in the winter months and, and everybody gets out and appreciates it quite a bit. But yeah, I believe it's a lot like that during the middle of summer here where okay. nobody wants to go out in the blazing heat. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> and of course we're stuck inside trying to beat that heat, but yeah, sure. to- totally get that. <clears throat> Lots of uh, AC work down there. I imagine. <sighs> yes. Yes. Cars and housing contracting alike. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was funny, uh, people, what they would pay to get their air conditioning fixed in a vehicle in comparison to some maybe even safety items like ball joints or tires or brakes or whatever. They're like, ah, you know, I'll let those go. No big deal. I'm just hauling around my kids. But, man, their AC goes out, they'll dump $1,000, no problem. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) Creature comforts. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, how long you been down in Florida for? I've been here for probably about eight eight years or so. So I think okay. the, the last part of 2014, we moved down here from Sacramento, uh, California. Okay. So I lived in California for about 
close to 14 years uh, due to the military. So about 2002, I was born and raised in Dothan, Alabama, which a lot of people, when you when you look at the name, it's Dothan to a lot okay. of these northern guys. But uh, it's Dothan, Alabama. It's close to Montgomery. It's close to uh, the border of Florida. But I got in the military, started doing that. And then when I got out in 2012, uh, I pretty much went to Sacramento to start UTI. Okay. Because that's, that's what I wanted to do, even though I worked in aviation uh, as an ordnance guy. So bombs, missiles, bullets, types of stuff, avionics. I worked real heavily with that. But the diagnostics, the diagnosing... The troubleshooting, as we called it, in aviation was real particular. So I felt with a little bit of the background that I had before I went into the military. And then as I got out, I worked at a body shop. And I was like, you know what? Cars are always being crashed. People always break their cars. Cars, No cars, no vehicle is perfect. And with all the technology that they were coming out with back in 2012 versus now, I was like, that's, that's a no brainer. That's just money right there. So I went ahead and got into UTI in Sacramento, but then I found out UTI is of course a for profit. A lot of, a lot of tech colleges are for profit. And I realized that they didn't offer a lot of detailed stuff that I wanted to know, or I'd have to wait course after course after course, because I think it was six weeks per course at UTI. And it's way different than a community college, which I probably should have been smarter and did that route. At least try to go for a degree of some sort. Because UTI, weirdly enough, and this is, again, back in 2012, they did uh, a degree only at their Phoenix location. Oh. I think they do it in another location now, but it's only certificates everywhere else. So Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Again, I was like, God, I should have done my research, but I was trying to transition out of the Navy, uh, get back into the civilian sector. UTI was the best bet, hands down, mainly because the VA was paying for it as well. Oh, okay. Okay. Because they, they started, uh, they transitioned from the MGI Montgomery GI Bill, as it's called, to the 9-11 fund or bill. And it was a lot a lot more uh, useful in doing tech colleges. You know, you go to beauty school, uh, go to f- a flight school for being a pilot, uh, welding school, and a lot of that stuff wasn't available for the Mon- Montgomery GI Bill. And it afforded you, I think, up to 36 months or so. It's been like almost 10 years since I've been out. So, okay. But I went to UTI and it was, it was, it was, it was a good opportunity because the instructors there are actually really knowledgeable guys. They do a lot of smog, uh, courses there. They do a huge diesel program there as well. You got people from Oregon. You got people from all parts of California, Arizona. I think some people were coming from Utah and, Nevada, just to go to UTI. So, but I found out that, you know, you're only working on clip cars. Everything's out of the car already. 
for some, for most things. Yeah. And I'd go over to WyoTech for some of these courses when I was working with Pep Boys. And I'm like, God, they're taking like actual transmissions out of cars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that'd probably be useful to know some of that stuff. Uh, yeah. They're taking engines out of actual cars. So after about nine months of doing that UTI stuff, I got as much as I needed and I kind of split. I didn't, I didn't stay for the whole kit and caboodle because I was going to go for the full year of automotive program. I think it was a little over a year. And then I was okay. going to go try Ford Fact because I thought, you know, Ford's break a lot. So, and they also had a Toyota Nissan program. But yeah, once I found out I'd be in school for almost two and a half years, just about like in the Navy, it's better to almost get into the thick of it and get a job on the job training. And that was sure. the best way, I thought, in my opinion at the time, to go and pursue my career. Okay. So I found a cool job after Pep Boys, because Pep Boys was a, an advisor, just a foot in the door service advisor mm -hmm. job, just so I could kind of start using more of the terminology, you know, crankshaft sensor to CKP, just normal basic stuff like that. Because again, I'd been in the military, and then before that I wasn't really professional other than doing some, uh, we have a, a body shop down here called Joe Hudson. I worked for them for about a, a year and a half. And, uh, but again, those guys, technician mechanically, it's not the same thing. You know, you've been to body shops, those guys, some of those places are really hurting just to <laughs> remove and replace stuff <laughs> versus diagnosing. So, right. So after I quit UTI, I went to Firestone, uh, Sacramento. There's a Sacramento, which I think I showed you pictures of that. Uh -huh. It's off of uh, Arden, Arden Way in Sacramento, and it's it's right by an off-ramp, on-ramp, and it's a little crappier part of town, but the manager there, Dan Goldthorpe, was, still is a master tech, and man, he knows, he knew so much stuff, and then the other guys that were there, we had a guy that was kind of like Mario Ross, uh... He was real funny, uh, Hispanic guy, uh, Martin, I think his name was. And then our lead guy, uh, God, I can't remember his name, but man, he, he'd been working on cars since he was like 12, I guess. And he was just ridiculous. And Firestone there was kind of weird because California put a lot of pressure, uh, on a lot of shops that they kind of went away from flat rate. I think the only oh, ones really? that were flat rate in our area were a lot of the dealers because they could, they could feel the brunt of that liability just in case they did something. I had heard something about that a few years back where they had to change the pay structure for techs in California, but I, I don't remember the details. Was it, was it something about guaranteeing pay to employees or something you know, like that? I never really asked too deep into it. Uh, they just told me that, you know, California is a real heavy place for people to get sue happy and yeah. know, they would take you to court for almost anything. Plus on top of that with certain shops out there with the emissions testing, smog techs, each shop has their license 
And then on top of that, each tech who does smog has their own license. And the Bureau of Automotive Repair out there, they, they don't they don't play around. <laughs> they right. don't play around at all. Uh, they'll actually come in with cars that have little cameras all over it, and they'll check those guys out. Uh, hell, even their machines will do like a little self audit. And sometimes, if they're not doing everything by the book, you know, they'll just show up with a fine at your in your mail. Like, what, what did I do? Or they'll <laughs> suspend a guy's license. Jeez. And they don't know what happened. So, because somebody's been using their login, they didn't realize they were still logged into their their testing machine, and all oh. kinds of stories about that. But yeah, I think Firestone in that that area of North California was pretty much all hourly, and I don't think. Yeah, I so I went to uh, training in. Uh, Denver, Colorado, that Firestone would send us to. It was like a week-long thing, and you'd have techs from stores all over the country meet up for these training events. And as you were talking, I was like, that's where I heard that from, was, you know, we're all swapping stories and talking about what we do at our individual stores in our states. And the guy that was from California was saying, yeah, we're not on flat rate. We're, we're hourly and we're, you know, all of us were blown away by that because at the time, you know, we all love flat rate because they, they sent the top performers to the training event. And so everybody there is, um, yeah, well, of course you get a bunch of guys together like that and everybody's like, Oh, well, I build out a hundred hours. I build out 120 hours, you know, that sort of stuff. And then the guys from California are like, Oh yeah, we just get paid hourly. And we're like, what the heck? But yeah, that's, uh, that's and interesting. I- and I'm pretty sure it was pretty recent when I got hired on uh, because a couple of those guys, you know, just just like you were saying, they make pretty good hours. I think they took uh, their last two or three quarters and they averaged it out. So mm. some of those guys were not producers and they probably just got shoved into whatever California uh, minimum wage was at the time. I think it was like maybe 11 or 12 bucks. So some of those guys were making maybe fifteen dollars, and easy day they would just you know do little fuel services and uh, just nonsense you know easy maintenance yeah. guy stuff. It was just the gravy, really. Mm-hmm. And they'd probably make you know close to fifty, sixty hours a week, and now they're they have to come in <laughs> from like a seven to six. Uh, I think it was seven to seven on some days for $15 an hour. So some of those guys did not have the greatest attitudes. Right. When I got there and being out of the military, you know, I'm just like, whatever motivated. I'm just going to do my thing. But I did, I I tried to learn as much as possible and being 29 with a group of Firestone techs, uh, you're the FNG and, (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're trying to work on your ASCs. I'm trying to live in California at the time, which is still very expensive. Uh, but Dan Goldthorpe, that manager, he, he, he tried to support me as much as possible. Uh, I got a few ASCs while I was there. He sent me to a bunch of training cause our, our corporate office, surprisingly, which is good and bad, uh, was only like 15 miles away. 
think in Citrus Heights, California. It's weird. Sacramento, just like San Diego, is just a bunch of slivers of cities all crammed mm. into one. So when someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm from San Diego or from San Sacramento, they're probably not downtown area. It's probably just gotcha. like St. Paul, Minnesota. Oh, yeah, I'm from St. Paul. Like, <laughs> <Right>. where? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that could be anywhere. That's a huge location. Yeah, or you just say the Twin Cities, and like, well, okay, hang on, that's that's a lot of ground you can cover yeah. in there. Because <laughs> hell, I would drive to work, and I would probably pass through three different cities all at once. I lived in a Carmichael area, which was closer to downtown, to Arden, California, which was also close to downtown, but closer to the eight, the eight west, I believe, eight east west uh, interstate. Okay. But yeah, I learned a lot from those guys and, uh, my girlfriend at the time, my wife, I was like, you know what? I'm sick of California. Uh, I love my family, but you know, it's just whatever let's, you miss, you know, you're part of the, the U S I was like, let's, let's go move there. And so we, we figured it out. Uh, she worked for PetSmart at the time and so they had a, a program to transfer. They needed people in Tallahassee where my father was at the time because I wasn't going to move home because me and home are not copacetic. And Firestone at the time also had a transfer program. You know, they don't pay you because I was the lowest to the totem pole at the time, but we transferred all of our stuff. I got in my little Honda Accord. She got in her little Civic at the time. And we, we took our six dogs and most of the stuff that we could put on a flat trailer, a flat trailer now, which okay. I, I think we still have it over here. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's rotten away, but some of you guys don't have the visual. Uh, yeah. And we trucked everything out here. And West Coast to East Coast was a night and day literal type of thing where Mm -hmm. West coast is training, 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 smog techs, emissions control, five gas stuff. You know, you can do very well on the West coast because you have to know all that stuff and fix it. Cause if you don't and they go to smog check, your customers are really mad. (laughs) They come back to you. And by the way, they actually put you on a list. If you fell a, a smog test, they automatically pick you out. And you have to go every year until you pass normally. And then they put you on a regular two year, uh, small wow. check. Yeah. Hmm. So that's not, that's not a cool thing you want to be, especially when you're trying to save money. But, <laughs> yeah. But coming out to Tallahassee, Florida, I thought capital of California to capital of Florida was like a good move. And man, I got here and I realized why I moved away, which I'm only two hours away from hometown Dothan from Tallahassee mm-hmm. because the training here is so appalling. <laughs> the mindset gotcha. of ASEs is just like, whatever. I don't need no test to tell me how to fix a car <laughs> kind of <laughs> mentality. Yeah. So not to dog anybody in Florida because there are amazing techs here, mm-hmm. but for the most part, the businesses could give a crap less unless it is absolutely necessary. Okay. So going from one great Firestone to another Firestone, I was met with, oh, you have ASCs? Cool. 
Well, I'm still hourly. And he's like, well, if you do really good and, you know, you, you don't mess anything up within your 90 day period, still kind of, even though you're an employee, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll talk about flat rate. And I was like, cool. I heard flat rate's really good. I'm already a really good producer on hourly because, you know, I'm not just a, a lump on a log. Mm-hmm. So I work, work, work. I got a couple more ASCs while I was there waiting for that. Uh, the crew there was, was actually pretty decent. The lead tech there, he didn't have any ASCs, but he had worked in a transmission shop forever. And again, just like back in California, the guys have been working on cars since he was like, you know, in elementary school and I couldn't really sure. keep up with that. So, you know, just like any Firestone, those guys usually they'll, they'll come over to where all the waiters are and they'll pick whatever they want, <laughs> yep. take it away. Yep, and, I understood, the gravy. and I understood that. And so I took what I could, but I kept asking the manager, Hey man, let's, let's do some, uh, let me shadow, you know, while I'm still hourly, mm-hmm. that never happened. So I didn't get to do any like big jobs to kind of boost your confidence. Cause that's what it's all about. Right. You know, you want to yep. be confident before you start really tackling these jobs or you just look like a, a momo <laughs> doing some of this stuff. And then you're like, I took it all apart. Now I can't put it back together. <laughs> but, uh, once I got on flat rate, uh, there was just me and two other guys there. So I tried to constantly like try to fight with them. And again, I didn't know how to do anything like really big. Uh, yeah. I didn't do any engines or transmissions in California before I left and I didn't do anything shadow wise while I was hourly. So I was kind of stuck at where it was at. So I focused on doing a lot of electrical and trying to diagnose since I couldn't really take big things apart. And after a while, I just got kind of fed up with trying to compete and me and the lead guy kind of got into it a little bit, but you know, we talked it through and we, we understood. And after a while, I just told the manager, I was like, look, man, uh, I have no growth here. It's like, I'll, I'll either get stuck on a job and I'll lose my entire butt because mm-hmm. we didn't train or you're not tending me to training for any of this stuff. And I understand pulling transmissions, engines, stuff you want to do in the shop. It's not really a class on that. You just got to do right. it. But he understood he, it sucked for him because he was losing a, a pretty good guy, but he's like, you know, do what you got to do. And I, I had a job before a job offer before that. So, and weirdly enough, uh, jobs here post on Craigslist more than they do like indeed and monster back in the day. So, okay. So I was like, God, there's nothing here. And then I go on Craigslist and I was like, wow, there's a lot of people needing help. Mm hmm. The first shop that was genuinely like wanting people, you know, send you to training and stuff like that are the dealers down here. Okay. So that was, I went and interviewed with a couple of them, but Toyota caught my eye and I was like, you know what? This, their facility is incredibly nice. Holy crap. And again, I think I sent pictures of that. Their shop is ridiculous, but, uh, they moved a couple shops where they were kind of outdoors and kind of crappy. And then when they got to another shop, uh, the one that they're at now, the owner paid like millions of dollars to have this really nice building 
for the shop and sales, not just sales, because usually you go up to the dealership and you're like, wow, look at the sales floor. And then you go back in the mm-hmm. shop and it's like, what happened back here? Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys lose the funding? <laughs> <laughs> Which is a lot of shops here in Florida and the Southeast area, actually. <clears throat> but so it was climate control, which is, wow. When, when you come in, you're just like, wow, cool. All the yeah. equipment was relatively un, uh, cuss, <laughs> but it was unfucked. You know, it was, yeah, it looked right. good. Uh-huh. It looked really good. And so, hell, within the first year, I got more ESCs and then they sent me to, all their training for their, uh, they call it entry level program or their EL program. Okay. And, uh, I got really into that, man. They send you to all these classes and they try to send you as in Jacksonville as many as they can within a month. And within the year you're certified. Nice. And I, and I pushed for that hard and then I was able to get on their scheduling. I was, able to figure out more and that's where I kind of launched off and two years later I'm like one of their their expert level uh Toyota techs loved it awesome that just motivates you and of course the pay was pretty decent too because I've never really worried about pay per se I I just want to fix the cars you know of course that Mm -hmm. that is the bottom line what we go to work for but uh after about four years I got to a stopping point. I had my master ASC Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to get it right out the boot. I know you guys talk about it. Like I think yourself and Paul Danner, you guys right out of school would get your ASC master. And I, even back then I was like, man, that's a good idea. And then when I look at it, I'm like, that is not a good idea now. So I'm glad I stuck with the strategy that I had, which was take your time. Do a couple, yeah. do a couple or three or four a year and get to that level. And if, if you're not a, a master, you don't feel like you're, hell, I still don't even feel like I'm a master <laughs> and I do, <laughs> I do a lot now. Right. When I, when I had them <laughs> at 19, I definitely didn't feel that way. I was like, cause I got the patch, you know, and everything. And I'm just like, you know, I'm working with guys who actually are masters at their craft and I'm just a, just a kid that's good at taking tests. It is very, it's a strange feeling um, if you're able to get those at a young age, but, um, I don't know. I, I think eventually I, I worked into it, <laughs> you know? Um, but exactly. I want, I, I want it for employment purposes. You know, I got out of school and I'm like, I want to, want to have this so that when I go somewhere, you know, and I'm just this fresh faced kid, at least I got a little bit of something to back it up. If I'm trying to, trying to get a job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, We've had a couple of guys uh, in a couple of my shops uh, not be 100% like that. But I just, even now, you know, I, I work on hybrids. I work on, I've worked on Toyotas. I worked on pretty much everything in Firestone. And then now where I'm currently at, I work on Euros. And, man, I still feel like I'm out of my element sometimes. I'm just like, Ugh. It's like mm-hmm. knocking on the skull, like, come on, you, you can do this. It's just, I <laughs> have to think about it. But, but either way, uh, I got to a point in Toyota that 
I was just like, man, this is, this is all it's good for. You know, I, I asked to go to different training, hell, even aftermarket training. And they just look at you like you're, you're a dummy. Like, why? You have, a, you have OEM training. I was like, it's not that great. Like all of the OEM training, other than multiplex and smart key is really just basic stuff that you should know as a, as an ASE master anyway. Mm-hmm. Obviously there's a little bit of Toyota little tech tips and here's and there's and Hey, you know, if you do this, make sure you check this on certain vehicles that help you out. But it's not, it's not anything crazy. And I'm pretty sure almost all OEM training is like that, especially what I've, I've found on the internet. Yeah. They're, uh, they're not messing around with that smart key either. I just went through that on a uh, Highlander and I'd done real basic stuff, but this one was a really, um, well, to to use your word, this this car was fucked. Um, <laughs> it had been through the ringer, and people were throwing used parts at it. It was it was so messed up. But that that smart key system um, with all the modules involved for push button start is way. And it was a 2011. It was way oh, yeah. more complicated than I thought it ever was going to be. So hopefully they have good training on that for you there. And and. To keep this, because I know sometimes when I'll go through your podcast, I'll look at some of the uh, the person interviews. I'm just like, I'll skip that. I'll skip that. Because usually you, you go there for the technical stuff, which is incredibly helpful. Uh, so thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, my 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 good buddy that still works at Toyota, he's a, he's a master. Uh, used to be the shop foreman, uh, but he's like, no thanks. I'll go back to being a tech. Uh, he just had a Prius where he was doing a reseed or a, a smart key reset uh, to clear the, the coating out. And he said that he just got a Prius. I can't remember what year it was, but parts gave him an FM key, which was a frequency FM. But apparently this thing was an AM frequency key. Oh. He spent like hours trying to program this thing, f- like <laughs> trying to rack his brain. I'm pretty sure he called Tech Assist. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah, what's the FF, you know, FCC ID and this and that? And they like cross checked it. And I think you could do that on your own too, but it didn't really dawn to him. But he's like, yeah, it's an FM key. He's like, oh, yeah, man, you need an AM key. Like, oh, <laughs> well, cool. <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure Parts only has two options and they probably picked. The absolute wrong one. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, man, I got to go back out there tomorrow for like another couple hours. Jimmy the the door switch and try to get it to come back alive and, you know, sit out there. And especially right now, it's it's muggy. So, yeah. So, yeah, a little little tech tip there. If you're ever working on a Prius and reseed, make sure you got the right key if it's not programming like it's supposed to be <laughs> yeah i think you can get that that fcc numbers right on the back of the remote and yeah and i think you can still go to the fcc website to look now of course i, I say that and then somebody does that and they're like i can't find it anywhere so check with your parts people make sure you're talking to the right parts guy because there's always one <laughs> that knows what he's doing in there and you never talk to him for some weird reason so <clears throat> But yeah, I, I kept a lot of that training before I left Toyota. So I wouldn't, if I got to that point where I needed to work on another Toyota and I didn't have all the 
support that I had while I was at the dealership that I wouldn't be like completely lost. But going back to that, I, at Toyota, I got to a point where I was just, you know, I didn't like coming to work anymore because I got to a master. Uh, I got my L1 and all they were doing was throwing warranty stuff at me, throwing other people's comebacks. And granted, I'm not going to be super tech here and say I didn't have a couple comebacks too, because in a shop like that, you know, you're cranking out these cars and I just saw a post today on Diag Network, the same deal. Guy works at Pep Boys. He's wanting to know about a situation. So the coils, how, how could he, you know, test coils when they're under the intake? And there's a couple of ways mm-hmm. around that, of course, but you know, somebody gave him an idea and he did it his way, but he's like, Oh yeah, the boss is, you know, hassling me to hurry up and uh, Pep Boys, that's like Pep Boys Firestone. Uh, yep. any tire store where you're a diagnostic guy, it's like, come on, man, come on, let's go, uh-huh. let's go. Yep. It's like, well, give me a minute. It's like, you, <laughs> you sold it for an hour. You're over here like 10 minutes later getting on me. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so stuff like that, it's just a, such a pain. So I told them after a while, you know, your, your pay is great. Your pay for what I'm getting here. And I'm still probably getting paid very low, but I was like, the pay is not the problem. It's like, you guys are just throwing waiter after waiter. And this is a dealership here. It's like, you should be Mm -hmm. stopping, cutting your appointments off, letting us get up to a point to where we can work on these cars, train the people we have back here and take care of the customer all in one. Cause it's not an easy job. It's easier said than done, but that just, it was always the owner, general manager dictating to the service director and as good as a guy as he is with the service manager, they, they just have a hard time saying no. So, yep. So one day I just got done working on a, Volkswagen Beetle for an intake manifold sensor issue, which again, I think I've touched a handful of those. So I had to fight to take it off, <laughs> fight to diagnose it. <laughs> uh, even though we had Mitchell ProDemand, uh, and a little bit of Google, uh, you know, mastery. Uh, then they give me a hybrid escape, a Ford hybrid escape, uh, cause it has a cooling issue. And then I'm doing a, uh, a head on the Tacomas, like some of the new 3.5 FKS direct injected, uh, Tacoma engines. They all have okay. issues. Almost all of them have issues with cylinder one, uh, cylinder one, bank one, uh, the valve ceiling area gets oblong. Oh, okay. And it starts walking that valve. P- PJ, PJ Walter will, will tell you immensely. <laughs> uh, we've seen a lot of those. They had some kind of defect at the factory where a lot of those were not made properly. Interesting. So we had okay. a string of those, but I had one of those in my, my bay, like just killing a bay next to me. And then they brought another vehicle in that I had just done a fuel pump recall on, on a Camry and it had an EVAP code and I checked it. It wasn't my issue, but they popped it as a waiter, a comeback. And mm. at that point, I was about ready to have my third child and I was just, I was done with it. <laughs> yeah. My, my technician's temperament got the better of me. And I told him like, look, I'm done. I'd had my 
resignation ready for a while because I had issues prior to that because that shop had changed service director hands like four or five times within the last like two, three years. So I was out the door. Mm-hmm. And every place that I go, I tell them, because this place has a, a, a way of having people circle back, because it is a nice facility, like I said. It is a nice shop. Most of the people sure. there are awesome. Uh, I wouldn't dog any of them, but that place is just not for me, and I will never go back. <laughs> Toyota's <laughs> been there, done that, so I'm good. Gotcha. But, uh, so it took six months. I, I'd never done that with, uh, a child of mine. Uh, I think the longest I've ever actually gone on baby leave was like two months, but we had money saved and my wife was working full time. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to stay home. I'm going to take a hiatus. I'm going to get away, which is what a lot of us should do when we quit a place because we have such a probably a bad taste in our mouth and a bad temper and a bad attitude, which I did have all of those. Uh, I stayed out, recollected my thoughts, did a lot of training. I got in touch with, you know, PJ. I got in touch with a lot of guys. Uh, and that's where we come kind of full circle to how I found out about you and your podcast is that down in Fort Myers, there's a shop. It's called legends automotive. This place is amazing. Uh, this is where I also met Brandon Steckler. He was doing a class down there. I guess he worked down there for a little while. Okay. Uh, they were doing training. I saw on Facebook that <clears throat> they had to cancel some training because of COVID concerns, you know, big deal in Florida because nobody really cares about COVID down here. But I, I typed the guy that sent the message, Daniel Claude. Uh, and I was like, Oh, Hey man, are you guys still doing that? I was like, how much is it? He's like, dude, it's free. It's like, we're just trying to get training for the shop and whoever else is down here. So being in Tallahassee from North or Fort Myers, that's about a six hour drive. So I begged my wife, got on my knees, pleaded, <laughs> babe, I know we just had a kid. <laughs> I know I'm out of work. Can I, can I spend about 300 bucks and get a hotel room for the night and go down to Fort Myers in South Florida <laughs> to attend this training? Cause I had already bought his book. I'd already been, uh, using a pressure transducer at Toyota and I freaking loved it. And again, that's where I got on to PJ Walters, uh, YouTube stuff. And then Brendan Steckler. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I went down there and I met him. I met Matt Scundrich of all people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, how'd that go? <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, uh, I thought Matt and Matt, I know you listen and you're on the show a lot. So uh-huh. I'm sure you get it a lot, but I thought he was a buffoon. I thought he was obnoxious <laughs> at first. And then when he, you talk to him, you're like, holy shit, this guy knows a lot. Mm-hmm. He, he's just one of those guys, man. He's just, <laughs> he speaks yeah. his mind. He, he calls your bullshit and it's, it's refreshing. But uh-huh. when you first meet him, it's like, you're trying to get away from him. You're like, God, right, let's, let's go over here and talk to this, <laughs> this quiet guy over here. But you know what? He sat in the back while we were in class. And of course, me being, you know, Mr. Forthright, I was up at the front with my book. I'm the only person that had the book with me, 
like a okay. nerd. <laughs> and he's back there like, yeah, whatever, Brandon. I'm like, is this guy? I look back and I'm like, <laughs> and I found out that he brought this huge projector, this 120 inch projector. Uh huh. He brought uh, this really nice projector. And he helped Brandon out because they were just going to do everything on, I think, like a little 60-inch TV in our in the oh. shop. And, and you guys talked about that on your podcast, too. You know, how, how, how are we so good at diagnosing stuff that has technology in it that is, like, futuristic as hell? But <laughs> when we do training, if you've ever gone to any of the webinars for TST, uh, Jerry Trulia or Motor Age stuff, it uh-huh. is so bad because their sound is so awful and no offense to those guys they do a lot of training but they could not get their sound right it you can hear everything in the background and it's awful and matt's right like if you don't have this huge opportunity to present this stuff on any kind of media platform like you're you're killing these guys because now they're like squinting to see stuff. They're missing yeah. things. You know that you don't have how like many? A, so go ahead. Sorry. Uh, how many people attended that event? God, I think it was maybe thirty or more. I'd have to. Okay. I'd have to count. There are pictures because I know at least five or six shops from uh, the Cape Coral area. I think about 30 miles up the road. Hell, Matt, Matt Scundrich drove like two hours away to come. Uh, I think I might've been the furthest. Uh, there was a guy, Adrian Lowe's. He was there. Uh, I think mm-hmm. he's been on the show a couple times. British guy. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a pretty good turnout. And I mean, I probably got to talk to a fraction of them, but. I felt kind of uh, overwhelmed when I got there and started hearing everybody, but it, it was incredible training and it was, you know, for the low price of free 99. Uh-huh. So even perfect. And I, I appreciate Brandon for doing that. He does that a lot. Apparently I thought it was just kind of a fluke cause you know, he's just coming back hometown and they just asked him. Yeah. But I guess that shop does a lot of training, like a lot, like they're one of the best shops in that area. Apparently. Yeah. They're, I think it's either his foreman or team lead, Jason Labonte. He actually started a whole uh, Florida training thing. It's called Fast with two T's. Okay. And you might have seen that group. Hell, I don't. I don't know if you you have or not. But they don't. They don't post any clips or uh, waveforms or stuff like that. They just post training opportunities in Florida. That's it. Mm. So, like Mario Rojas, he just had like a. a a conference meeting that he's trying to grow into something a lot bigger down there. I missed that cause I had my, my new job at uh, Volkswagen, but he's, he's trying to start that every quarter, like a free, uh, I think it's winter Haven or winter park, Florida. It's way, okay. it's way. I, I think I saw some pictures on Facebook. He yeah. A bunch of technicians get together. He had a training on the ZF transmission with, uh, Neil. And I don't want to screw up his name cause it's very, I believe German. <laughs> he does a lot of the ZF training. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And I don't think I can say his last name either. <laughs> and then, uh, I think, uh, Richard Falco was there for some stuff. And I mean, I feel bad cause I missed out on that, but you know, started a new job. So 
but yeah so where, where are you at now so after i took care of my baby uh i went to capital euro cars now that's that's kind of a crown motors from down south in st petersburg actually owns this dealership group uh but it's capital euro cars but it's it's two buildings one has bmw and mercedes uh on one lot and then you drive probably about a thousand yards or so and on the next property from a gas station to an auto zone and then there's us there's porsche volkswagen volvo and we're also an audi dealer well i say we're an audi service place we don't deal audis so it's it's a real weird again it's a tallahassee thing (laughs) (laughs) because the mercedes-benz and bmw dealers they're chock full of those cars but then when you look at our lot i think we've moved some stuff around as well but they sell a majority of Vovos. Uh, they sell a lot of Porsches, and they sell mm-hmm. a pretty good amount of Volkswagens. And if you bought an Audi somewhere and you come to Tallahassee, which is a pretty good uh, occurrence because state workers, college kids, everybody comes here, but they don't live here. Uh, we also mm. service Audis, so so it's. It's a huge learning experience, actually. I got to imagine, yeah, going from Toyota to Euro stuffs. Uh, yeah. It's a little bit of and a challenge. I, and I tried to kind of cushion myself for a little bit of training. And again, book theory is only good so much because uh, I found a place where you could download almost all the BMW like tech uh, books on some forum. Kind of blows my mind, I guess. The grass wasn't greener when I was at Toyota. I just didn't want to work there anymore. Uh, I knew that where I worked was the nicest facility uh, in the area. And there's a couple shops that are climate controlled that are kind of nice, you know. Uh, but Toyota mm-hmm. by far was the biggest and the largest with everything that you actually needed. Um, you know, some, some small things that just kind of walk off in people's pockets from the tool room. But mm. so I knew... When I went in there, you know, when I pop out my scope, because I bought my own scope uh, a couple years ago when I was working at Toyota, because I hated using our, our shop scope because it was people just abused the crap out of it. Uh, okay. When I popped that thing out, even my U scope, people were just like, well, what, what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen the meme uh, on Facebook? I know you're kind of a, a Star Trek nerd. I'm not trying to oh, use yeah. that offensively as much, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, uh, no offense taken. He's got all the, all the the big eared aliens looking down at this person on the table, and it's like this is what it looks like when I break out my my scope. <laughs> all the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But really, yeah. they're they're just not interested in learning any of that stuff, which is mm-hmm. again mind blowing. Well, it's it, it's funny, you know. I, I was talking to a tech the other day at a shop. I pulled out a scope. I was just doing relative compression. It wasn't anything, you know. Super. I, I feel like anybody can pick up relative compression in, in a day. Um, and he was like, he was amazed by it. And I was talking to him and I know this guy could figure it out, but it was, it's one of those things where you're caught in the rat race of the whole thing of flat rate and busting out vehicles. And I don't even think this guy 
had had the time to sit back and think about, oh, what else can I add to make my life easier? Or what can I go learn to make my day go smoother? You know, this would be one of those things. And he just never, never even really had, had the time to consider it. Maybe it's make the time to consider it, depending on how you look at it. But he's just, he's so overwhelmed with the amount of work that he's trying to get done, just mechanical, right? That he hasn't focused on figuring out how he can improve himself and, and make his day easier in turn. Right. So he doesn't have to call me in. Um, and I think a lot of guys are like that where they're just so busy. They're so wrapped up with trying to get through the day to day where, and you, you even said this too, taking a break, sometimes stepping back for even, even a few days. I mean, heck, a couple of months is awesome, right? And I get to do that in the summer. I'm super lucky that I get that reset for between in the school years. And it, it's huge just to like sit back and look at everything and say, okay, how can I, how can I improve? How can I make my life better? And you've got, you've got to step away from that, that daily grind in order to do that, I think. Um, and, and then, then it'll snowball from there. Cause then you start figuring out, Oh, there's all this stuff out there. I can continue to improve and you seek out more and more, but it's taking that, taking that step and stepping back and looking at everything and saying, okay, here's where, here's where I can make improvements in what I'm doing. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure this is on your year roundup, uh, podcast that, you know, one of the guys was talking about, you know, take a video of yourself. Uh, be a weirdo, get your phone out and I mean, use it for all sorts of nonsense anyway. Just, you know, tape yourself doing a diag and see how many times you, you pace yourself around that car <laughs> and trying to look for stuff and yeah. researching and then see how you can make yourself more efficient. Cause I do that all the time. And just like with training, you know, my wife, I'm sure she hates it sometimes cause she's just like, I just want you to hold the baby. Stop looking at your computer or <laughs> looking at YouTube videos to see how to do some of this stuff. And I had to make that. I had to sacrifice a lot of free time to figure out how to do all this stuff. And some of it, I still have questions about all the time. Cause I just can't wrap my little mind around some of the stuff that a lot of these guys do like, uh, the intake, uh, pressure and exhaust waveform pressure transducer. Yeah. I'm it's like, tough. I still have to really think like, where am I at? Mm -hmm. 180, 360. <laughs> you know, if, if teachers would have been like, Hey, yeah, you need math because of this. I would have been like, wow, I need to pay attention a lot more. Cause I was a horrible student. I was a <laughs> 2.6 GPA uh -huh. kind of guy. And yeah. <clears throat> yeah, same. I didn't care in high school. I didn't care. And I, I wish I, I was talking to Fonzo recently. I wish I would have paid attention in physics classes because I didn't at all. And now I'm like, wow, this stuff's actually really interesting. Yeah, Why didn't and, I pay attention? <laughs> and down here, you know, if you don't get to some of those uh, lower level, like algebra, geometry, chemistry, uh, physics stuff, they won't let you go any higher. So you can just cut that off right there and, a lot of what we deal with is just science. I mean, and you know, Matt and yep. Matt, I like the, <laughs> like you say, it's the Matt and Matt show. You know, you can get really uh -huh. stupid with it and go like super in depth, you know, Elon Musk 
thinking about it and like, no, that's not right. Uh, well, it's actually, it's not really a flow. It's, <laughs> it's more of a conveyance of, you know, <laughs> you're just like, okay, well, like calm down. Let's, let's keep it simple. Obviously techs right. are varying intelligences and <laughs> we got to keep that in mind. <laughs> and I told them, my yeah. guys before I left Toyota, you know, I, I do this scope stuff because it's incredibly non-intrusive. I despise breaking stuff down, and it's Brandon, you, Matt Fanslow, Matt Scundrich, probably every other mobile tech out there. I will not break something down unless I absolutely have evidence to say, you know, glaringly at your face, this is something wrong here. Let's go here. Let's break this down. And then half the time, I don't know how mobile tech, I don't think we have a lot of mobile techs in my area at all. I've never seen them or... You know, even if it's a mobile tech, half the time it's it's guys that are taking maintenance items off of cars and driveways. That's about as mobile as it gets mm. that I know of. But yeah, gotcha. you're probably telling the shop, this is where you need to go. This is what you need to do. Pay me, thank you. I'll see you guys next time. That's what I want to bring to a customer, that, especially an advisor, that's just like, uh, we just sold this for an hour. It's like, yeah, but everything's under the intake. If you want me to go that route, why did you do that? It's like, you know, that's probably like a three hour job right there. So the scope comes out and that's where, when they start seeing me hook this stuff up, like I just had an EOS in the shop and it had no compression. You could hear it clearly. Mm-hmm. And I could have just popped a coil out, popped a spark plug out, looked in there and probably saw what I did eventually, but I wanted the information to take me there, you know, pretty much organically. Yeah, we, we go on assumptions, but you have to go on evidence too, or you're just telling the customer, hey, you need, a, you need an engine, and it's probably something simple you can fix real quick. You don't need an engine. But I hooked it up to the right. cam, the crank. Finding the crank was a pain in the ass because I did not realize on a lot of Volkswagens, they're in the back, not the front. <laughs> gotcha. Getting a known good which you ever you ever talk to this guy ray he's from ontario canada ray i think i've seen him on uh diag.net i'm gonna try your name but it's i think it's your you i think it's french canadian i know know who you're talking (laughs) about but he's a mobile tech and man every time someone needs a known good of anything ray's right there boom (laughs) done boom boom Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he and not knowing this, it's a two, it's an early two liter TSI. Uh, so he shows me a take one. I was like, Oh, wow. I have that in my, my thing too, but I take his known good. And I take that known good that I have. Cause I have a huge library from the known good Facebook group. And I realized that my timing's retarded really, really bad. Almost like 170. I think that's 170 degrees if I measured it correctly. Cause I'm still trying to weed that out too. So I have that, print all that out. Then I go pop the spark plug because now I don't have to take that stupid cover off. That's probably like close to two hours worth of taking a mount off, taking that cover off, lining everything up because I don't have that tool yet either, the, the one for the crank. And I don't know where it's at in the shop. But I take my borescope after I take the plug out and I look through every cylinder and I can see all the valves are hanging open. So I was like, that's not good. Uh, and then the mm-hmm. cylinder two, 
I see it right where the piston, you know, the little little pockets. I see that one has a very circular <laughs> valve shaped. And I was like, mm. well, that, that confirms it. Done. So yeah. it took yeah. me about a day to get there. But I'm sure if I would have known what I was looking at, very good at looking at Volkswagens and this and that. I probably could have done that in 30 minutes. Done. You need a, a used engine. Yeah. I'd probably put timing chains and I guess a tensioner. This thing has gone through multiple revisions. I, I added that on there and I was like, this is what it needs. Boom. And mm-hmm. they, I was like, really? I was like, yeah. He's like, you didn't take a whole lot apart. And I was like, well, I didn't really need to. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that, that, that in itself, I tell those guys all the time, I was like, I can show you how to do this. And they, I th- think they think I'm condescending to them when I, when I say it, cause they just sure. look at me like, nah, I'm good. If they don't want it, I'm not going to force it on them. But when they look at how easy it is, it's just like, it's, that's, that's where you can sell it. Yeah. It's not, not going and telling everybody like, Oh, Hey, this is what you need to do, or this is the better way to do it. Just show them. Okay. Here's how this, here's how easy this is, or here's how few things you have to take apart. And then they can sell it to themselves after that. You know, um, that's, that's the way I found, uh, it's successful. Again, you leave them to water, but you can't make them drink. It's, it's, it's such a hard. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's, that's my journey so far other than being in the Navy, which it's okay. North Florida is, is a real weird place, Sean. Uh, that's, that's the, the thing online is a Florida man in the news. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Florida man, Florida women. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you know, you guys were talking about, uh, the board of, what is it? Board of not directors, but, uh, the advisory board for mm-hmm. ASC. And I went to look at that and see who was on our board here. Cause we have a tech center who actually works with the community college. They're almost right next to each other. It's called lively technical. And, uh, surprisingly, I don't think that advisory boards with it because they have one of the BG guys on it and I've met him and he is not any sorts of mechanically inclined, but I think you don't really have to be too much to be on an advisory board here. Do you? Um. We're not here, but Cause I know usually it's shops, shop owners. Yeah. Maybe um, some independent guys, technicians possibly, but they have, they have guidelines. They want a mix of people. They want shop owners. They want, uh, technicians. If it's a college, they want former students. Um, and so, yeah, there is a, there is a wide range of people that you can have on advisory committee. Um, but, um, usually the people that you see do it at least have, some passion for the industry, or at least you would hope so. And that's the, the goal is to kind of get those types of people together um, so that you can align your program with what those types of people want out of graduates or out of their employees. And, and we can kind of work towards those expectations in the college. That's, that's the goal. And so, yeah, sometimes you get people who are extremely uh, technically intelligent and then sometimes maybe not so much on the technical side of things but more on the business side of things or um 
just the, the other parts of the business where, yeah, they're not, they're not using scopes. They're, they may not even be fixing cars, but they know another part of the industry. And I, I don't know anything about the BG guy, but, um, we, uh, we have, we have a good mix of people on our advisory committee. Yeah. I, I feel like when I see the people that are on that advisory board, I feel like they're, they're only there for, to recruit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, and there is 100% that we've, we've experienced that as well, where you get somebody and the only reason they're coming to those meetings is, Hey, you got any students? You got any students? Uh, you know, there, there's no interest in offering anything to improve. They're not donating cars. They're not providing feedback. They're not suggesting things for the program. They're just there. Can I get some employees out of this? Um, and that, that's the number one goal. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's not, necessarily helpful i mean yeah we want to get our students jobs but that's not hard right now um so we we want we want feedback about the program we want to know how can we prepare these students correctly or or again to meet your expectations within reason of when they get out there what what do you want them to know and also we present to them here's what we have to do because we're an asc accredited program we have to meet the asc guidelines but within that realm, what do you want us to focus on? And, you know, and we'll have these tasks from the task list to ASE, and we'll say, okay, they want us to rebuild this manual transmission. Unfortunately, that's an ASE task that you have to do for the manual transmission course. How much time do you really want us to spend on that? Are, are your guys rebuilding manual transmissions? And, of course, the answer is no most of the time. No. But um, <laughs> so, so then we can kind of use that feedback from the advisory committee to shape our courses. And we document everything. We take minutes. And we have the minutes recorded. And the input from the committee is actually pretty powerful. Like if we need to get new tools um, – input from the advisory committee is huge because they'll say, yeah, you need this lab scope or you need this piece of equipment. You need this scan tool because that's what we want to see the students be proficient in or the graduates be proficient in. So we can go to the college and say, Hey, here's what they say that we need. If you've got money for our program to spend, this is what we'd like to purchase. Um, and so the input from the advisory committee is huge. And I think I've mentioned it on the show before, but yeah, if anybody is, yep passionate about this industry and you want to see successful graduates out of tech school, uh, look around and see if you have a local community college that's looking at, they're always looking for members. I can almost guarantee you that because we have to have so many members per meeting in order for it to be official. Um, and go attend the meetings, get to know your, the, the instructors and, um, you know, give something back to, to the industry. That's, I, I think that's, part of why you would do it. And that's actually how I ended up getting my teaching job is I was on the advisory committee for said program and ended up talking to the guy that was retiring. But um, anyways, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good, powerful thing. Um, yeah. I think, I think that's, a, I think that's a good, and that, that, that might be more of my, cause I thought about doing something like uh, Mario was doing or uh, Jason down in Fort, Fort Myers, uh, getting people together. But man, it's just such a, I'm sure there's people out there. Yeah. I'd say there's, there's a bunch of weird, 
folk out here that just shun technology, but <clears throat> I like Luddites. <laughs> but well, yeah, uh, you never know how many people are out there that actually are interested. Um, and it's about going out, yeah, seeking them out and getting yourself out there and and getting connected with people. Um, even around here, you know, I've met so many people around the Twin Cities area since I started the podcast that I probably never would have known existed otherwise and that are professional and intelligent and, you know, leaders in this industry. So, um, yeah, where do you, um, where do you see yourself going in the future in in the automotive industry? Do you have any master plan goals or anything you're striving towards? Yes. Yes. Uh, well, coming from Toyota, I, I got into hybrids pretty, pretty big. Uh, and Volkswagen Audi, they done some minor stuff with hybrids, but I think they're starting to really try to push their EVs as well. And that's what I'm really going to try to jump on. Cause just like we were saying about technology, people shun it kind of up here. Nobody wants to work on hybrids or EVs. And I don't say no one, but no one enjoys it. It's that fear factor of my, my Porsche tech. He, he, he just, and I say my, the guy I work with was just doing a take and, uh, PDI. And I was just, you know, checking it out real quick, seeing, He's like, you know, it's 800 volts. I hate working on these things. They're just so unsafe. And I asked him, you know, and I'm pretty sure that's part of the reason why we don't get along. But I was like, why? Why don't you, why don't you like that? That's, I mean, that's, that's cool. I mean, that is, as someone stated, that is the least efficient EV (laughs) that you will get in. It'll be the funnest EV you get in, but that is cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, Gasoline and diesels are not going away for a long time. Right. As much as Elon Musk is kind of a, you know, a particular guy, man, he, he is, he's right on the money. Like if we push that button and everything fuel related just went away, our whole economic structure would just collapse Yep. because we're so dependent on it. Mm-hmm. So nobody has to be afraid that this is going away, you know, fuel diesel, yeah. all that's staying, but, but neither is electric. <laughs> that's neither is electric. Yeah. And you know what? They tried it back in, you know, 1800s and it just never really took off. Nobody really wanted to, the technology was not very good, obviously, but man, it's getting so prevalent in everything that we're doing. You know, Audi's got your e-trons, Volkswagen had parallel hybrids, you know, uh, can't wait until they actually get on the full hybrid train, but you know, their, their ID four just came out and I've been in one of those things. It's not like eye popping, you know, futuristic as hell, but they're, they're starting a whole platform of those things. So they're, I think it's called the buzz or whatever. It's like the little, uh, VW bus. Okay. They're coming out. They're coming out with that next, like on an ID four platform. It's just an ID platform is what they're calling it, I think. But they're, they're thinking about coming out with two more, uh, vehicles after that. And let's see, we did the e-golf before that, and it was just none of that stuff ever sold on our side. But you know, if they can ever work, you know, just like Toyota and BMW did the Supra, 
like the most lackluster thing I've seen in a while. But if they can get some kind of parallel hybrid, uh, MG1, MG2 kind of mm-hmm. issue going in there, then that, that would be great. And I, I told them, if I can get on these these platforms with Volkswagen, Porsche, Volvo, I don't give a crap. I will work on any of it. I will be your guy. I'm not afraid to touch any of the orange cables. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Some Paul I know exa- <laughs> Yeah, you know, the technology, the the design will be different, but they all do the same thing initially, just like combustion engines. They all do about the same thing. Yep. They're all probably going to have the same kind of issues, and people are going to have to work on them regardless. Mm-hmm. Now, with that drawback, our dealership, somebody above us, uh, told them we we can't be a battery repair facility. So a lot of that's probably going to limit what I do, but mm-hmm. that's where I want to be in the next four or five years. I want to be certified one, obviously, but be one of their hybrid guys. Okay. Because, I mean... Like you said, that's just where the industry is evolving. So that's where I'm going to be. And ATG's had a bunch of classes on it lately. Uh, AVI just had a sell on one of their uh, EV or hybrid EV uh, manuals. I mean, just start working on them. You guys don't be afraid of hybrid electrics. You know, this, yeah. There are horror stories, and most of the times it's just. I call them old wives tales. Might as well be old tech tales, you know, geez. Mm-hmm. But that just feeds into the fear. And then you get these other guys. I don't want to touch none of that. Well, yeah. You guys are missing. You guys are going to miss out. That's so I look at it the <laughs> same way as like a oxyacetylene torch, which maybe you guys don't use as much down in Florida, but um, we use them all the time up here that sat next to the alignment rack. And it's one of those things where you can easily, injure yourself severely or even kill yourself with a acetylene torch. I mean, you hold it up, point it at your face, you're done. I mean, that's it. But that doesn't happen on a regular basis because people respect it. They know how to use it as a tool and it makes your life a lot easier in the rust belt, right? So everybody uses a torch, even though it is potentially very, very dangerous. I mean, even lifting a vehicle on a hoist, potentially extremely dangerous, but we know what we need to do. We know how to be safe with it and we utilize it every single day and probably take it for granted. It's the same thing with electric vehicles, right? That's just you, but you need to take that understanding and say, here is where the danger is. Okay. I'm just going to not do these things. I'm going to be conscious about not pointing that torch at myself or, you know, not touching, you know, these orange wires while it's connected to the battery, that sort of thing. And so taking, putting some knowledge into it, I think can take some uh, fear out of it, just like everything else that we do on the job that's potentially dangerous. Um, cool, man. Well, um, I think that's a good point to wrap this up unless you got anything else specific for me. No, I mean, just there, there are so many good opportunities right now. Uh, even though COVID has kind of screwed up a lot of training opportunities face-to-face, uh, people are just now getting in the swing of it. You know, check out those little webinars. I've been doing these little ATG 30-buck webinars. And usually with those webinars, they give you coupon codes to get their manuals. And those things are like gold as well. They may not be 100%, you know, end all be all of knowledge, but hell, add to it. Mm -hmm. You guys don't stop training. I I hate 
Cause I, I was there at one point too, you know, I hate school. I don't want to go back to school. I don't want to learn. Let's not do that. Your life is going to be constant learning. So to don't have that mind frame, keep searching out. And if you don't understand something, contact those guys directly. Like, like yourself, Brandon, uh, Jason down South, Mario Rojas. I've all contacted you guys and not a one of you has told me to go F off <laughs> at all. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm sure it takes a while to get to that, that message, but you know, each one of you is when I've asked has explained certain things and that's what we need is discussion, confidence, and hopefully we don't have a huge shortage. Right. You know, in the future, because I think I saw something yesterday is like most techs are around my age, you know, 40, 40 plus or so. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are not coming in or they're just getting pushed in doing maintenance. And then eventually when that guy either dies or retires or whatever, then they get shoved in that position, which is not a good sign of Mm -hmm. where the industry might be in another 10 years. So, yeah. Cool, man. Well, hey, Eric, thank you for spending the time with me this morning. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do it again sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I can get one of those uh, Matt and Matt shows. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One more big thank you to Eric uh, for joining me on the show today. Really appreciated that. Enjoyed that talk with him. Hopefully you did as well. I'd like to thank everybody else that is uh, listening to the show. I appreciate that, and I appreciate the feedback. But without that out of the way, let's all get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.